This podcast is part of the Invesco ETF Academy, a knowledge platform for professional investors who want to learn more about passive investing. Find out more about the Invesco ETF Academy on the websites of investmentofficer.be if you're based in Belgium or investmentofficer.nl if you're based in the Netherlands. In today's episode, climate-aware investing is a way to support a path to a net-zero world, but it's not only focused on a climate outcome. Climate-aware investments have shown a promising risk-return ratio as well. Invesco's climate-focused strategies offer a solution designed to support the climate transition, providing exposure to climate change opportunities while integrating ESG considerations. My name is Marije Groen and today I'm being joined by Christopher Meller, head of EMEA ETF Equity and Commodity Product at Invesco and Saurabh Katiyar, Executive Director at MSCI. Together, Christopher Saurabh and I will talk about how ETFs and climate indices can support investors with a net zero objective. Christopher and Saurabh, welcome. It's wonderful to have you and thank you so much for joining this podcast. Thank you for having us. Thank you. I would like to kick things off with actually two statements for each of you, uh, to which you may only reply by answering yes or no. I know that's a challenge. Um, and after that, you are allowed to come back to one of the statements. So Rob, I'll start with you. Um, first uh, statement for you is tackling climate change comes at an economic cost. Yes or no? No. No. And the second one for you, climate-focused indices will ultimately become commonplace. Yes. A no and a yes from Sorab. Uh, Christopher, over to you. Um, responsible investment means loss of profitability. Uh, no. No. Clear no. Only active funds can address climate concerns. Another clear no. Another clear no. Now, Sorab, I know you're eager to uh, to maybe go a bit more in depth on one of the statements. Which one do you pick? Uh, yeah, thanks, Maria. So I think I will pick up the second one in which we talk about uh, whether climate-focused uh, indexes will become commonplace. Now, if you look back at the climate investing, integrating climate considerations always has been an integral part of the institutional investment process. But uh, in a way, the growth was triggered by the signing of the Paris Agreement. When the global political leaders, they signed the Paris Agreement, it signified two things. First, the acceptance that the climate change is one of the greatest challenges humankind is facing and also indicated their willingness to you know take steps to tackle climate change and limit global warming we have st- we have seen european union take additional measures like coming out with regulations like the eu delegated acts for climate ba- benchmarks to align these capital flows towards sustainable growth and this is what we have we are seeing in terms of our client demand as well uh, more and more clients are increasingly uh, looking to incorporate similar climate considerations in their investment process uh, especially to meet their net zero commitments and this is the reason why i feel that these climate indexes would become a lot more commonplace in fact they would become in fact overarching in the investment process Clear. Thank you for clarifying that. Um, Christopher, which one would you pick? 
so I think I'll tackle the responsible investment uh, and the loss of profitability question. The, the, the simple answer is that, you know, why did I say no? You know, obviously there is a, uh, there will always be a deviation anytime you take a, a step to in, include screening or changing uh, your portfolio from the broad market. There will always be a deviation from the market. Um, uh, whether that's positive or negative will depend on so many other factors. Uh, but I think fundamentally underlying the approach of a responsible investment is the idea uh, ultimately of reducing the risks of your portfolio from uh, outliers or issues from a, a responsible side. So, for example, if we're talking, you know, talking about climate change today, you know, what are the risks about not dealing with climate change not just for the, for for us as a as a society and an economy, but also let's get into the specifics of the companies. You know, if you're a company with you know large assets uh, in in coal mining, you know what are the risks of asset stranding in a world where we move to net zero? If you're a company that's you know investing in in solar energy technology, for example. Um, you know, that's a responsible investment. And, you know, given the shifts that are required uh, for, for a low carbon world, uh, it's one that will hopefully pay uh, some, some positive dividends. Thank you for that, uh, both of you. Um, let's talk a bit more about the role of passive investment in supporting that whole climate uh, transition. Uh, Surap, how are index providers integrating climate change? Yeah, thanks, Maria. That, that's an interesting question because uh, in a way, there is not one single approach which index providers can take to integrate climate change because ultimately the approach depends on the investor's use case. Uh, now, first of all, there is this wider acceptance that climate risk is an investment risk and it, it impacts asset valuations. But at the same time, using or you know using a single metric to define or measure climate risk is still a challenging process. What MSI tries to do is use a combination of both backward-looking and forward-looking metrics. So, for example, look at what the company's carbon footprint is in a way to assess what the company is doing today. Combine that with some of the forward-looking metrics like uh, climate value at risk or LCT score to assess what could be the impact due to this low-carbon transition. But then we also try to combine that with what the company is doing to reduce its emission footprint. So whether the company is setting any forward-looking commitments, targets to reduce its emissions. And using all of these different metrics, we hopefully try to capture the climate risk. When it comes to using these climate metrics in an index methodology framework, again, the answer could depend on what the investor is trying to achieve. It could be a choice between a heuristics-based approach versus an optimization-based approach. Now, heuristic-based approaches like an iterative downweighting could be a simple approach, but then optimization provides you additional control on controlling active sector exposures or active country exposures. It provides you control on uh, the tracking error, etc. So again, uh, you know, uh, I would just go back to what I said at the beginning that the right approach depends on the investor's use case and also how sophisticated the use case is. Right. But but in general, what would you say are the, the risks and the benefits of, of tackling climate change uh, within an investment portfolio, Surab? Uh, the... the uh, I think the benefits are that uh, you uh, you are aligning your portfolio to limit climate change, uh, and in a way that is that is one of the chief objectives of uh, you know a climate aligned uh, investment policy. If investors recognize that some of these risks, which Chris was mentioning, you know, asset standing risk or uh, in a way 
you know if you want if it's, there are some investors who may also want to, want to uh, position their portfolios better for this low carbon transition by capturing some of the uh, climate solutions then they need to reflect that view in their investments also and that is what these indexes try to achieve Hmm. Uh, now, when when selecting an index approach to climate investing, the first step for investors usually is to choose a suitable climate index. Tell us more. Where do you start with this? Yeah, uh, I, I think again, uh, when it comes to MSCI, uh, there are multiple climate solutions which MSCI offers. But in a way, what we have seen uh, when we were coming out with these index solutions, they have reflected the evolution which we see from investors' use cases. Uh, in terms of aligning their investments. So if we go back, uh, primarily how climate-aware investing began was this investor's concern around the asset standing risk. And this is where, let's say, first generation or first category of climate indexes, low-carbon leaders, low-carbon target did. They would look at the company's carbon footprint and reduce allocations to those which have high carbon footprint. Over time, the investor use case evolved. And they not only were concerned about the asset standing risk, but they also wanted to position their portfolios better for this transition to low-carbon economy. Uh, and for this, we have an MSCI Climate Change Index. But then uh, the new climate index, which is the Paris Aligned Index, which exceeds some of the EU Delegated Act minimum requirements as well. And there, uh, what we see is that we try to incorporate not only asset standing risk, we not only try to capture higher allocations to uh, climate solutions companies, but we brought in those additional considerations, which we believe are important for net zero and investors, like reducing the physical risk uh, or capturing green revenues, achieving a temperature alignment of one and a half degrees, etc. So the Climate Paris Aligned Index is a more holistic, a more comprehensive climate index solution uh, aligned with these multiple climate objectives. Over to you, uh, Christopher. Why would you say that uh, ETFs are a suitable tool to answer to, to climate change? Well, I think the, the the key thing that you're looking for, if you're looking to use the power of your your investment portfolio to to sort of help express that view and help you know fight climate change, is is you need a, a portfolio solution that's going to be aligned with those objectives. And one of the great things about ETFs is that you know they are very clearly aligned with the index that they're tracking. The whole aim of the ETF is to track the performance and meet those goals that are laid out uh, that Sora has been talking about in, in some of these examples of, of climate-related indices. So with an ETF, you can see exactly what it is you're investing in uh, and you know that that portfolio is going to be fully aligned. Um, I guess there are also sort of two key parts to uh, any investment. There's the selection part, which is, you know, as we've talked about, determined by the index in the case of an ETF. Uh, but on top of that, there's also uh, the engagement portion. And, you know, uh, a lot of people look at ETFs and, and wonder how does a passive portfolio engage? Uh, well, the reality is that, you know, for a company the size of Invesco, um, we're, it's perfectly possible for us to be uh, an, an active and engaged investor whether that's in our actively managed or our passively managed portfolios. Hmm. Now, what would you say are the most common routes for, for passive investors looking to create a portfolio around climate change, uh, Christopher? Yeah, so I guess you've got um, sort of two, two key choices to make. Um, if you're looking for a sort of broad market type of benchmark, so a replacement for your you know, uh, MSCI world type of exposure, for example, um, uh, then the type of you know, climate transition benchmarks or, or Paris Align benchmarks that, that Sorab has been talking about are, are often a, a good route to go as they're looking to maintain 
broad market exposure. They have controls around how far you deviate from the standard market benchmarks while also maintaining that, that, that you know, sort of key requirement of meeting all of those you know, Paris alignment goals. Um, I guess the other way you can go uh, is to be, you know, if you like, slightly more um, aggressive and take a more specific uh, approach. And there are a number of ETFs out there that allow investors to get exposure to, for example, you know, clean energy and, and, and innovation in that space or, or solar energy uh, as another example. So very much more direct investment in the, the companies right at the forefront of those climate change solutions. Now, now if we look at some research, Christopher, from uh, French business school and think tank ETEG, uh, they say that climate change ETFs are actually undermining uh, the war on global warming because they also starve sectors of capital to invest in transition to cleaner energy. I was just wondering, what are your thoughts on that? It's, yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thought. You know, the idea that ETFs are actually starving sectors of capital feels slightly odd. Very often, you know, ETFs are actually criticised for for the indiscriminate way in which they allocate across markets. Um, and a lot of the criticisms that come from that are that they're they're pushing stocks higher with with no regard for no 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 selection. Um, in this case, I guess the selection is the suggestion is that specifically, you know, climate conscious ETFs are excluding things like energy or, or fossil fuel related utilities. Um, um, and, and you know that, that therefore is starving you know the energy companies and, and those same utilities of, of investment. Um, the reality is that you know uh, most climate conscious ETFs do invest in in energy stocks, do invest in utilities, uh, but they're only investing in the ones that are actually already you know at the forefront of that transition to a, a lower carbon economy. So I, I very much view it as the investments are encouraging better behaviour. Uh, and any of these energy companies or, or utilities that, that that you know move into the cleaner energy space would be eligible for inclusion in the benchmark and eligible for for that additional flow of investment that comes with it. Thank you. Uh, so you cl- you clearly don't agree with the, with the research. <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid I don't. No. <laughs> Um, in 2020, the European Union launched uh, two climate Paris-aligned uh, benchmarks designed to reduce exposure to transition and physical climate risks and manage climate change opportunities, as well as, at the same time, helping investors who seek to align with a decarbonation trajectory that is compatible with the Paris Agreement. Um, let's take a look at these uh, benchmarks. Uh, Surab, what are the differences between a Paris-aligned benchmark and an ESG aligned benchmark. I think you referred to it a bit already, but maybe you can just specify more. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Maria. I'm actually grateful for that question because sometimes we see our clients uh, talk about climate objectives and ESG integration approaches interchangeably, which which in our view are quite distinct approaches. Uh, When we talk about ESG integration, uh, as the name suggests, it is an environmental, social and governance assessment of a company uh, while a climate-focused investment like a climate Paris line benchmark would mainly be looking at uh, aligning investments to limit climate change. Additionally, when it comes to MSCI's ESG rating framework, which forms the basis of our ESG indexes, in the environmental pillar, we would consider the ESG issues based on financial materiality. So, for example, we would only consider carbon emissions or intensity when it is important for the company to manage those emissions intensity as a financially relevant risk. So, for example, for some industries, we would uh, look at water stress or 
uh, electronic waste as environmental key issues so i think this is the this is the main reason why we we try to differentiate between a climate benchmark and an esg aligned benchmark when it comes to specifically climate paris aligned benchmark there are these additional requirements and i think you referred to them somewhat making sure that the index is decarbonizing along a trajectory uh, aligned with the paris agreement there are additional requirements on reducing the carbon intensity relative to the, to the parent index and finally the eu delegated act wanted these indexes to reflect the real economy so they looked at some high climate impact sectors and wanted index providers to not underrepresent those high climate impact sectors as a group to reflect what could be a real economy uh, uh, impact in a way right now, now if i understand correctly sirab the msci esg climate paris aligned select indices exceed the minimum standards of the eu paris aligned benchmarks so where does their ambition reach further sure thanks thanks maria so uh, when we look at the msci esg climate paris aligned select indexes these are a customization of the standard msci climate paris aligned index methodology framework uh now these msci climate paris aligned indexes in a way they exceed these minimum requirements of the eu delegated acts uh if you look back at the eu delegated acts uh, i think they have done a very good job in listing down some of the minimum requirements which are needed for the paris aligned benchmarks but i call them minimum requirements because if you look at some of those uh, they are restricted to limiting the transition risk or achieve a 1.5 degrees alignment through the self decarbonization requirement but they are sort of silent on some of these other requirements like uh, reducing physical risk or capturing green opportunities which in our consultation with institution investors are also very important especially if they have net zero aligned objectives additionally when it comes to msci we try to incorporate additional you know uh, criteria like using criteria on companies credible emission reduction target and give higher weight to those companies finally when it comes to the msci esg climate paris aligned select indexes these indexes have an additional esg integration approach wherein we try to reduce or uh, reduce allocations to companies who have poor esg standards so for example in the developed market indexes companies with esg rating below triple b or esg controversy score below 2 are excluded some additional values based criteria like reducing uh, exposure to companies with nuclear power or alcohol gambling etc also incorporated mm clear uh, christopher what would you say is the significance of these paris aligned benchmarks for investors and and for the companies that are selected in the in the benchmarks yeah so i think the you know the first thing in terms of the 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 significance for investors you know uh, so i've talked about the you know the paris aligned benchmark regulation you know and that the intention of that being to align investment behavior with you know climate mitigation that's required across the globe you know the, the broader economy um i'd also say that you know they provide a, a sort of minimum benchmark for aligning you know uh, uh investments with investors objectives so if you're a climate conscious investor then you know a paris line benchmark is is you know sort of moving in the right direction for you uh, obviously uh, again so i was talk more about the the MSCI improvements or differences versus the the sort of standard minimum requirements and also that addition of of ESG criteria for for the you know the climate paris line select indices and and I think that's another important factor is that a, a lot of the climate conscious investments that are out there today are very much focused on the climate part but not very much focused on the ESG part so 
including those ESG criteria, um, again, ensures that alignment of values as, as well as the climate side. Um, in terms of the companies, where well, we sort of touched on it slightly before, um, you know, the reality is that if you're seeing more investments flowing into these climate conscious benchmarks, that is providing ultimately funding for the, the companies that are, uh, are within those benchmarks. And if to get into that benchmark, you have to meet, you know, key climate criteria, you have to be on a on a decarbonisation pathway or have credible, meaningful goals for, for reducing your climate uh, impact, you know, there is an incentive for companies to do that in order to be investable for, for this growing swathe of, of climate conscious investors. Mm. And would you say, Christopher, that uh, the EU climate Paris Align benchmarks are currently an area that is underinvested by, by ETF um, investors? Yeah, so I think it's fair to say it's still relatively early days for, for the, the PAB benchmarks. You know, the Delegated Act that brought these into law uh, is only you know just over two or around two years old. So, you know, this is a very new area of investment, uh, even within the newer sort of space of, of sustainable investment. Um, so I think currently, if we look at uh, total assets of climate-related ETFs in Europe, uh, it's something like $23 billion, which may sound like quite a lot of money to the average person. Definitely. <laughs> but compared to the $1.5 trillion of assets that are invested in ETFs in Europe, you can see it's still a very small share uh, although growing very rapidly from from this early start. Right. Let's talk a bit more about Invesco Clean Energy and about solar uh, thematics. Rising sea levels, heat waves, uh, widespread droughts, storms, wildfires and floods, uh, all are dramatic effects of human-induced uh, climate change. And some investors may overlook them vis-a-vis -vis their portfolios, but those who are on top of the world's environmental changes, uh, green technology and renewable energy may provide profitable investment opportunities in companies transitioning towards uh, decarbonization and exploring new ways to improve and scale these uh, technologies. Christopher, ap apart from the climate indices, there's other ways uh, for climate conscious investors to to address climate change. Um, tell us more. Yeah, so, you know, the climate benchmarks we've talked about so far are very much broad, you know, uh, beta replacement type of products, giving a broad, you know, asset allocation across, you know, uh, all of the market. Uh, another approach that, that some investors are taking to integrating climate change or bringing, you know, uh, climate combating climate change to their portfolios is to take a more sort of specific and focused approach uh, in, uh, I, I guess you'd call them, you know, sort of more thematic type of ETFs, things like, you know, solar or clean energy or energy innovation. Uh, a good example was, you know, that we offer to, to investors. Um, and they're investments that are often used, I guess, as a, a satellite to a, a core portfolio, I don't think there are many investors who would, would take the approach of putting uh, everything into them, but it is a good way of getting uh, exposure to the real innovators, the, the real companies that are providing solutions to, to you know, the, the, the problems of climate change. To put it into context, the solution to, to you know, climate change, there are many parts to the solution to climate change, but one of the key ones is changing how we use energy and the sources of energy that, that we're, we're, we're drawing from, you know, we're expecting electrification to be uh, a significant part of that process. And, you know, certainly the, the statistics from the BNEF, for example, uh, are suggesting a tripling in installed electric, electric generating capacity, you know, between now and, and 2050. Uh, and within that, you know, renewable energy, 
currently makes up about a third of, of electricity generating capacity is expected to exceed you know, two thirds. Uh, and of that, around 40% is actually coming from, from solar alone in right. the 2050 forecasts. So you know, these are the companies that are, are driving that, that change, that electrification, um, and getting direct exposure to them is, is you know, both uh, potentially appealing from you know, a long-term growth outlook, but also it's, again, appealing in terms of investors putting their money where their mouth is and, and actually investing in the companies that are driving this change. And besides solar that you spoke about, how about uh, wind power or, or hydropower? Are you also invested in that? Yeah, so the Global Clean Energy Innovation ETF that we have is investing in a wide range of, of exposures. Yeah. So re renewable energies uh, are, are a part of that. So wind, hydro, solar. But on top of that, there's also investment in the other parts to the, the, the solution, which is, you know, improving energy efficiency. Part of the process of electrification is going to include improving, you know, electricity storage, so battery investments and similar uh, areas. So I think it's fair to say that, that clean energy is, is is much a much bigger theme than, than just solar, for example. Right, right. We're reaching the end of this this podcast, gentlemen. I would like to uh, thank you both for being here with me and, and talking about how climate-aware ETFs support a net zero uh, strategy. It was very interesting listening to your uh, to your stories. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. This episode was brought to you by Invesco. Invesco is one of the world's largest asset management companies originating in the US and present in Belgium since 2006 and in the Netherlands since 2007. For more podcasts and articles on passive investing, please visit the Invesco ETF Academy on the Investment Officer websites.be if you're based in Belgium and .nl if you're based in the Netherlands. Thank you for listening. Disclaimer, the value of investments and any income from them will fluctuate. This may partly be the result of changes in exchange rates. Investors may not get back the full amount invested. This podcast is for discussion purposes only and is intended only for professional investors in Belgium, Luxembourg and the Netherlands. It is not intended as a recommendation to buy or sell any particular asset class, security or strategy. Regulatory requirements that require impartiality of investment or investment strategy recommendations are therefore not applicable nor are any prohibitions to trade before publication. Where individuals or the business have expressed opinions, they are based on current market conditions, they may differ from those of other investment professionals and are subject to change without notice. This podcast is by Invesco Investment Management Limited, Ground Floor, 2 Cumberland Place, Fenian Street, Dublin 2, Ireland.